welcome to Library Fugitives, a support group for people who get lost in the stacks. I'm Molly. And I'm Lindsay. And every episode, we let the Encyclopedia pick our books. This episode, The Wheel chose for us YA nonfiction. I am going to be talking about Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy by Anne Boyd Rio. And I am going to be talking about the autobiography of Bethany Hamilton, Soul Surfer. So, Lindsay, how's your... Well, it's been two weeks since we recorded, hasn't it? Yeah. Because I was out of town last weekend. Mm Mm-hmm. But, uh, so how has your last two weeks been? Uh, pretty good. Had a breakdown. Talked about it in therapy. Um, coping ahead. You know, all that shit. Um... We're not going to get into what the breakdown specifically was about, but <laughs> I worked through it, uh, and it, you know, it, it helps to know that I have people in my corner, friends, family. Um, you got so, a mama bear right here, so. Yeah. Mo- Molly is literally the ultimate, like, mom friend. I don't know, <laughs> like, you guys... <laughs> You might, you probably have picked up on it a little bit, but unless you are living any portion of your life in real life with Molly, you are not going to get the full force. She is so fucking overprotective. <laughs> oh my gosh. Overprotective. I will fight anyone who wants to try and hurt my friends, even if it's the other friends. Like, oh yeah. Throw very... down. So get you a friend like Molly straight Aww, up. Um, well, I got to spend last weekend with my BFF, like, of all time. <laughs> I love him. Sean, I know you're listening. I love you, boo. Um, she talks about you all the time. <laughs> I'm totally, I totally don't have friend jealousy. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, shout out to Sean and his awesome husband, Wade. Love you guys. <laughs> but now we need to, like actually get into this yeah because you know the whole point is we're doing our books so Lindsay, take it away okay so i have to be completely honest i'm really not the biggest fan of nonfiction. um i would call it a general distaste actually (laughs) um i i see it's for me it depends on what the topic is well and that's the thing when I want to educate myself on various topics, I'll venture into the nonfiction section. Um, but for the most part, most of my research for those things comes from like articles and journals and shit on the internet. Yeah. Um, books that like nonfiction books themselves. It. I think the last nonfiction book I read, besides the one I'm talking about today, was um, analyzing the. Um, the songs and poems in Lord of the Rings and like all that that Tolkien wrote. So Death Saker by uh Dr. Bill Bass, the creator of the Body Farm, approximately six weeks ago. Nice. See, the true crime thing is like my jam. Yeah. So when we spin true crime on the wheel, you're gonna have so much oh. to choose from. Well, I know exactly what I'm doing though, because it's kind of a, a mind bender. But anyway. Lindsay, why nonfiction? Yeah, and it, honestly, it's rare that I actually find a nonfiction book that I enjoy enough to remember, let alone have enough to talk about for, what, 20 minutes? That's generally... 15 at, to 30, that's yeah, our range. So, somewhere around there for each of our segments. And, once again, we kind of shot ourselves in the foot by imposing <laughs> the YA label for this week's topic. But see, that's what makes this fun! 
I don't know that fun was the word you'd use, but I, I kind of... We're in my segment, so we'll use the words I'll use. I call it maddening. Um, anyways. <laughs> it's a challenge. Accept it. I seriously debated going into the teen section at my library and trying to find something bearable, but then I saw it. Like a beacon on my bookshelf. A forgotten relic of my TBR. <laughs> Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy by Anne Boyd. Route. Hold on real quick. I looked this up when I was writing my notes and I forgot how to pronounce, her pronounce name. it. So we are going to Ryu. Okay. So full name? Anne Boyd Ryu. Okay. Uh, I spotted it in the bookstore months ago and immediately snapped it up like any self-respecting little women fan would. <laughs> um, however, as evidenced by our necessary break after the holidays, um, Life got in the way. <laughs> and uh, it sat next to the original Little Women. Until now. <laughs> Literally, like, weeks, months. Um, so, while this book is both for young adults and other adults alike, I would argue that the fictional book fueling this nonfiction volume was geared for the youth, and so this can be considered YA nonfiction. Yep. I'll allow it. Okay, cool. If you didn't, um, I would get up right now and we would not do any more <laughs> podcast episodes straight up. Um, so uh, this isn't really a story. It's more like an amalgamation of bits from Little Women, um, the Little Women author Louisa May Alcott's life, and how people through time have been impacted by Little Women. Um, you good? Yep. Nope. Just like I said, chronic cough. We're good. Uh, so, because of that, I don't really feel the need to give a spoiler warning in full, but if you haven't read Little Women or seen any of the movies, and there's a lot of There's the a lot of adaptations, including the one that came out, like, what, 20 years ago? It was 2018, 2019, something in there, yeah. God, it's been so long. But yeah, it had Emma Watson and Florence Pugh. And, and Saoirse Ronan yeah. and Laura Dern and um, Meryl Streep, literally. Oh my god, Meryl Streep. Um, but yeah, so that is that in uh, the 90s little women are oh so good. So <laughs> anyways, um I actually just um had with my friends that I watch movies with, shout out to y'all, you know who you are. <laughs> um I I had them we watched the 90s little women, um, and it was their son's first time seeing it. And to be fair, he was very tired, so he was already <laughs> falling asleep before the movie even really started. But I would periodically go over and be like, wake up, wake up, wake up. And at one time Why I hit him me? with a pillow. Um, <laughs> so anyways, they're so good. But again, if you haven't seen any of the adaptations or read the book, um, you're going to hear key plot points discussed. So on to my review um <laughs> and the author of the book not little women specifically but but um i'm actually just gonna drop a fun fact because it kind of is a good bridge into it okay. uh, at one point <laughs> uh little women went through many different options for titles and meg joe beth and amy was one such option uh which i think is what inspired uh, Anne for the title of her book dissecting the importance of little women anyways Anne, like me didn't read little women growing up and instead first encountered the book through a college course i literally went to my professor and i was doing an independent study on um i was just i just needed an extra credit and i was like i really want to do like female authors and stuff and i know i want to read little women because i hadn't 
but I wanted to. And she said, okay. And we literally just designed a course based off of my desire to read Little Women for college credit. Um, <laughs> so, Well, that's kind of awesome. It is pretty cool. Um, however, Anne also observes that Little Women can have um, just as much impact on a young woman in her 20s as it can a girl in the process of growing up. Uh, both the girl and the woman are in the process of figuring out what what we want out of life and how to achieve those goals or learn to prioritize when those goals appear to conflict with each other. And that conflict can come from outside opinions or just inside your own self, mm -hmm. you know? And as someone who got a degree graduated at the height of the pandemic and the degree itself has been virtually useless thus far um <laughs> and experiencing several failed attempts at jobs that i could survive with i feel like i'm still a little woman in many ways <laughs> um, and quite honestly i don't know if i'm ever going to have it all figured out but that i can tell you right now at 31 i still feel that way right and, and that just means that we're alive, that we haven't really trapped ourselves and prevented ourselves from being able to grow. The minute you think you have everything in life all figured out, you're fucked. Yeah. <laughs> because you're either going to get slapped in the face with reality or you're going to start kind of being an ass to other people. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Um, with further reading, readers are given the context to Louisa May Alcott's career as a writer. Uh, both her parents encouraged her talents from a young age, which wasn't really widely accepted by others at the time, but female authors still persisted despite the sneering from their male counterparts and society at large. So they're like, fuck you, we like writing, we're going to do it anyways. There you go. Um, Alcott actually grew up with the likes of Ralph Waldo Emerson and Henry David Thoreau in her father's circle of friends. Wow. Wild. Um, and actually, Bronson Alcott attempted to start a commune based on naturalism and philosophy. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was intended to be a utopian agrarian commune, commune or transcendental center called Fruitlands. Uh, beg pardon? Yeah. Um, uh, a commune based on um, agriculture no, I got, and I got transcendental... That philosophy and they called it fruitlands because it was like the fruit of the mind and then the fruit for the body um yeah fruit. still sounds a lot like a cult but all fruitlands yep but also See, that's the part i'm getting stuck on i get the cult thing but the fruitlands fruitlands is what they're calling it because of the agriculture fruit loops <laughs> no i think if we ever did the bam fam um <laughs> the bam bam commune like oh, we yeah, joke we have, about we have talked about this so we need often to do fruitlands but seriously uh, we know our, we've literally joked about it but it also at times we're like it's not really a joke but also it kind of is because none of us are in a place to have that much money and stability to do that but if we pull it all together oh a hundred percent um who among the world hasn't dreamed of buying a bunch of property with your friends or family and living all together if you haven't at one point in your life you i how are you yeah. How are your friendships doing? Because, like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and honestly, it wasn't all smooth sailing for the Alcotts. They were impoverished and lived off of the kindness and charity of their friends a lot. Like, this put so much pressure on Louisa to help provide for her family, um, as did the sickness and eventual death of her sister, Lizzie. Uh, potential trigger warning for suicidal ideation uh, here. 
Um, so skip ahead a few minutes if you need to. I'll try and figure out timestamps. Yeah. Um, still reeling from Lizzie's death, Louisa broke when their oldest sister, Anna, got engaged just a few months after Lizzie passed away. And then Louisa ran away to Boston to work. Still, she was like super depresso espresso like it was bad um, I'm, I'm noting a lot of parallels right now <laughs> yeah yeah um she seriously considered jumping into the charles river and was directly quoted as saying to her family my courage most gave out for everyone was so busy and cared so little whether i got work or jumped into the river that i thought seriously of doing the latter obviously she didn't or we wouldn't be reading little women today or talking about it at mm -hmm. least um but again we so often think of celebrities as different from the average person that deals with mental illness but that puts even more pressure on them while louisa was not very well known at this time she still had too much weight on her shoulders and a lot of us can relate to that yeah it strikes a chord to know that she felt the same things that I have, and it only makes Little Women and her other writing that much more impactful, like, full of compassion of knowing that she got it. She understood. Mm -hmm. So something that a lot of fans of Little Women in different forms have always passionately debated was joe march's romantic fate <laughs> uh, some are satisfied with her eventual marriage to professor bear but many believe that joe should have ended up with her best friend theodore laurie lawrence uh what many fans might not know is that louisa originally desired for joe to remain a spinster like herself uh <laughs> however she was pressured from her publishers to see each surviving march sister married off and then many readers of the first volume clamored for Joe to marry Lori. Well, Louisa was like, fuck that shit. Um, <laughs> she never liked him like that. No. But if she had to have someone to marry, she's like, I'm going to come up um, like with... My ideal man? Well, mm. she was quoted <laughs> basically as saying she didn't dare refuse the general demand for Joe to get married, and wrote to a friend that out of perversity I went and made a funny match for her. I expect vials of wrath to be poured out upon my head, but rather enjoy the prospect. <laughs> Come on, that's hilarious! <laughs> she sounds like every writer that has ever written some approximation of sorry not sorry for some detail of their books. They're like, fuck you guys, you pressured me, so now I'm gonna do this. <laughs> um... And while we're on the subject of readers' passionate opinions, I'm going to read an excerpt that details one such fan's opinions when Little Women was initially turned into a stage play back in the early 20th century. To see the ideals of your girlhood, womanhood, and motherhood massacred by a Broadway stage manager who never, never kept a dog-eared and tear-stained copy of Little Women on the bedroom stand seems more than you can endure. Uh... Anne Ryu adds on to this quote by saying, For those who had cried over Beth's death, cheered on Joe's ambition, or smiled over Meg's mishaps as a new wife, a new version could do irreparable damage to their fond memories. Again, fandom has been a part of life as long as storytelling has existed, and that is fucking wild to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, 
Dante's Inferno is Bible fan fiction. It is. Um, Paradise Lost is also Bible fan uh-huh. fiction. <laughs> it's wild. Oh gosh. Um, and specifically, um, Dante's um, Inferno, uh, Purgatorio, and Paradiso is a self-insert fan fiction. Uh-huh. Uh, so it it's just it's wild that people you know still look down on fan expression of liking a piece of art or literature or story when it's that is the basis for so many of what works we now consider to be classic yep uh and noting that we just you know a couple weeks ago talked in our special episode about fan fiction (laughs) like seems pretty timely um Anne notes that Little Women has been called the mother of all girl books, becoming the predecessor or outright inspiration for such titles as Anne of Green Gables, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm, Little House on the Prairie, and A Wrinkle in Time. I've read all of those. Um, well, I've read I read A Wrinkle in Time like once. Um, did not reread it, but that's because it was yeah. like a library book. So I just, you know, but like. There have been so many, like, spinoffs and retellings over the years, including the actual sequels that Louisa May Alcott herself published. There's sequels about her children, about the other children. Like, it's so good. And while it does contain the story of young girls growing up, it wasn't just a book that only women enjoyed. A lot of boys and men found that they loved the story of the March sisters, despite having to hide it for fear of being ridiculed. One of these people actually included former President Teddy Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Fucking loved Little Women, and I think that's amazing. Um, <laughs> there's there's a reason his daughter was um, considered uncontrollable. She was, uh, and he was 100% like, mm, yeah, Joe. Uh, <laughs> Alice. I can I can run the country or I, I can, can control, control Alice. Alice. And he's Pick a, one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But Anne also observes that readers throughout the decades since Little Women's initial publishing have often sought to figure out which March sister they most identified with. And quite honestly, I've done this. Um, I have taken so many online quizzes. Um, and while a lot of them have determined me a Joe. I have a couple of times gotten Amy, and I even once got Meg, um, but I don't think I've ever been gentle enough to be Beth. I don't think. (laughs) Although, like, so it's just wild, and it kind of proves my point that while we can find one character to empathize with perhaps more often than the others, we are complex individuals that can resemble many qualities at different points in our lives, or even different points in our days. We all have the potential to be Joe, Meg, Beth, or Amy, as all of the girls are unique, complex, and good options in their own way. Mm -hmm. You know, especially for, you know, a lot of people and a lot of early options, Amy was seen as, like, very annoying. Like, she's a fucking child. She's literally, like, she's the youngest. She's the baby. Like she is going to behave childishly. And yeah, children can be a little shit sometimes. But, but they're children. But she grows and matures, and something that brought people more recently to the idea of Amy being, you know, not a completely, like, shitty character 
was in fact Florence Pugh's portrayal of her in the newest adaptation yeah. of Little Women because she puts the dynamics into Amy to show just what pressures that Amy has always been under in every adaptation. And Meg has the great quote of just because my dreams are not the same as yours doesn't mean they're unimportant or something like that. Yeah. So each character is not perfect and that's what makes them good because they each have their own faults and they have their own winnings and it's something that I am glad that people are starting to recognize. Um, yeah. And to close, I am going to read uh, directly from Anne's own words. What makes Little Women in particular such a powerful reading? It unearths the tensions between family and self, sisterhood and separation, growing up and failing to find one's way. As today's stories show us, these themes remain highly relevant. Alcott's classic pointed the way not only toward girls' future selves, but also toward future relationships they could have. Until girls' stories are truly able to follow the lead of little women, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy will continue to live and challenge us to consider the many different ways that girls become women. So, yeah, um, this review might be a jumbled mix of biographical facts about Alcott, plot points for Little Women, and the opinions of others, but that's kind of the beauty of Little Women, uh, I think. Throughout this book, Anne Ryu gives readers a glimpse into the impact of Little Women, not just on Alcott's life, but on society as a whole. This particular book, Meg, Joe, Beth, and Amy, is a solid read and a good option for anyone looking to find even more depth to Little Women than before. And so this is where I say I've never actually read Little Women, and the only exposure I've had to it was the recent movie. But Lindsay's looking at me like I've made a grave error. No, I'm nodding, because <laughs> that's fine. And, like, I will not begrudge the way that anyone comes to know any story if that's what gets you interested in the story and it's a newer adaptation you don't have any other frame of reference that is okay i will never begrudge someone for learning or trying something new so yeah yeah okay so for my white owl are you okay um Yes, I just should not have done. So heh, I somehow managed to sprain my knee while clipping my cat's nails. Oh, God. Um, yeah, we're not going to get into that. Just know that if I make noise that sounds like pain, uh, I am in pain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Walking hurts. Uh, but anyway, my YA nonfiction, I chose a biography. Um, I chose Soul Surfer by Bethany Hamilton. Do you know what's been going on? With oh, no, her? I know. I'm well aware. Okay. I, I was am, like, before we proceeded. I am well aware. <laughs> okay. Um, I chose this book mostly because I don't have or am not interested in a whole lot of YA nonfiction. Uh, and honestly, I didn't have the spoons to try and find one at the library. Yeah. Um, I picked this book up at a Scholastic Book Fair in middle school. So it qualifies. Yeah. It was in... Five. 2004? 2003 or 2004. Um, so if any of you were confused about my concern and questions <laughs> no, and we're... how we didn't explain, Molly, will, I'm sure she'll get yeah, into no, it. Yeah, no, I, I cover, I cover it. Suffice to say, uh, 
yeah bethy has been um we're gonna we're gonna talk about interesting. it interesting we're gonna talk about it um <laughs> so it's it's been nearly 20 years since the events of this book and 19 since it was published uh in 2004 to 2005 i was very deep into the church i was attending uh which is why my mom agreed to buy this for me it talks a lot about the christian faith much of which i'm in the process of deconstructing Ooh. um <laughs> And while I applaud Bethany for her dedication to something she loves and working damn hard to get back to it, she's made some comments recently that are problematic, to say the least. Yeah. We'll cover that at the end. But with that disclaimer, we <laughs> dive in. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Soul Surfer is literally about a surfer who, yeah, gets her arm bit off by a shark. Yeah, so ally. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna dive into this book. Uh, Fuck off! You already <laughs> made the joke. The book starts with Halloween morning, two thousand three. Bethany and her mom head out to one of their favorite surf spots, but there are no waves. Bethany asks to go to another location close by, and her mom almost says no. But when her best friend Alana, along with her dad and brother, also show up, her mom says okay as long as Alana's dad drives her home. They head out past the reef and Bethany is lying down on her board, left arm in the water, just chilling when she sees a flash of gray out of the corner of her eye. Bethany goes back and forth with her timeline, talking about the day of the attack and her story about how her parents met, that surfing was in her blood, how and where she grew up. A lot about her faith. But it's not like a lot of book. She wrote this when she was 14, so there's not too much life to tell. Yeah. Um, she does talk about getting a sponsor for surfing and becoming a pro surfer at 10. <clears throat> but while she's a really good surfer, she's mostly famous for getting back on the board after her attack. Everyone was within 20 feet of another person. The shark could have very easily have gone after Alana or her dad or her brother. Bethany has a theory that maybe the shine of her watch attracted the shark. Because it looked kind of like a fisheye under I, the water. I guess. Yeah. Either way, a 14 to 15 foot tiger shark came up, bit into Bethany's board and arm, gave a couple sharp tugs, then swam away with it. The same shark, it still had pieces of surfboard in its mouth and its jaws matched the board perfectly, was caught about a mile away. Bethany stayed completely calm the entire time. She says she never saw the shark, so she didn't have time to be scared. She just had one thought, get to shore. The men very quickly caught up to her, Alana's dad Holt making a tourniquet out of his rash guard, which is a type of surf top to protect you, um, and towing Bethany to shore. They made it in, replacing the rash guard with a surfboard leash to make a better tourniquet. An off-duty paramedic was down the beach, and he took care of her as best he could until the ambulance could get there. About 45 minutes through extremely rough road, and that's just to get there. She then had to make it another 45 minutes. They finally, the ambulance finally did make it to the beach, and Alana's brother called her family to tell them Bethany was attacked and headed to the hospital. Ironically, her dad was in the same hospital, getting ready for a knee surgery, a surgery that had to be postponed because the doctors needed his surgical suite for his daughter. One of those kind of weird things that happens. Yeah, kismet. Bethany had lost 60% of her blood volume by the time she made it to the hospital. The surgery to clean up the bone and make sure the tiger shark hadn't left any infection behind came first. They had to leave her arm open for a few days to make sure the closures of her arteries and nerves held and no infection had gotten trapped inside. 
Then she had the surgery to close up the wound. Bethany was attacked on Halloween. She was back in the water and trying to surf again by Thanksgiving, 28 days later. The fuck? Yeah. So, I mean, like, when she says surfing is in her blood, surfing is in her blood. Now her blood's in the water. That was a bad joke. <laughs> that was a very bad joke. Very bad joke, Lindsay. Hand. I, no, hand. I'm not giving you the hand because we'll get to why she deserves it later. I know. <laughs> I would uh, not make that joke about anybody. Anyways. Most of the rest of the book is devoted to her reactions to becoming a celebrity virtually overnight. She nearly met Patrick Swayze on a plane, which R.I.P., uh, but declined to ask for his autograph because she was so tired of signing autographs herself. She's like, these guys must do that every day. I'm going to leave him alone. She figured out it was easier and competition legal to put a strap on the front of her board to get past the breakers because most surfers will grab the edges of the boards with both hands to dive under. She only had one arm, mm -hmm. so she had to figure out a way to get the nose of her board under the waves. Um, and boom, she's surfing again and competing. That's where the book ends, but since it's been 20 years, here's a breakdown of her life since. She's won a crap ton of awards, like ESPY's Best Comeback Athlete, the Teen Choice Award for Courage, and at least placing in a competition every year from 2004 to 2022, minus 2019. She got married in 2012, has had three boys, has been on numerous TV shows, including The Amazing Race. Oh, yeah, I remember when she went on that with her husband, and we were like, my family was like super stoked. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it was so cute the way they announced their pregnancy too, because mm -hmm. they're all, they're both sitting on surfboards and they just go, baby, grab her stomach on board. Aww. <laughs> it was so cute. Um, so, you know, good things happen. Bethany also played herself in several movies, including Dolphin Tail 2. Um, but she did all the surfing stunts in the movie based on her attack, which was also called Soul Surfer. That came out again in 2012. Had Anna Sophia Robb, Carrie Underwood, yeah. um, Dennis Quaid. Yeah, I was going to say, Dennis Quaid played her dad. Mm -hmm. um, but now we get to the controversial part of her story. Yeah. Um, it's pretty recent. Uh, and I am not surprised uh, because of her background, but I am deeply disappointed. D deeply disappointed in the fact that Bethany Hamilton has boycotted all World Surf League events starting in January of this year, 2003. <laughs> there's been a lot of dates in here okay 2023 because of their decision to let trans women compete in the women's league she gives the false claim most people do that trans women have a biological advantage over cis women she wants a separate league created just for trans women and has openly stated she believes most of the other cis women believe the same but are too afraid of being ostracized to say so like i said disappointed but not surprised yeah. given her religious background yeah especially when it's like so highly evangelical and like she tied her like her survival and her comeback to her faith in god and, and like, it is yeah. yeah and she talks about in the book even that you know god has a plan and you know if you know, God has a plan for everything. Why did he send the shark? But she looks at it as the shark was going to attack her anyway. Just God gave her the gifts to be able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, if you believe that and you believe God makes no mistakes, why are you dissing trans people? As to quote um, 
the grandma Lydia from One Day at a Time, the newer version, um, when her, and this is related to um, her granddaughter coming out as gay and not necessarily as trans, but she was talking to her daughter afterwards, after the granddaughter had left, and she said something along the lines of, but it goes against God, although God made us in his image and he doesn't make mistakes. Even the Pope has said it's okay. So what? Am I supposed to go against the Pope and God? Who the hell do I think I am? Okay, I'm good. I wish everyone <laughs> could handle it like right? that, TBH. Um, and also played by the Queen, Rita Moreno. <laughs> so like, obviously, but yeah, it's it's a lot, and we're probably we're we're gonna get into this a little bit because that's all I have for the book. Um, but I just hit ten minutes, even with my little rambling at the beginning. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this because yeah. this is this is a big thing. This is part of me deconstructing and reconstructing what I believe mm-hmm. um you know there's there was a post going around a while ago where people were like if you're truly a Christian you have to truly love your neighbor and you have to be willing to take whoever they are and there was this one guy who they're like well you're this big Christian dude you know why are you you know helping these trans and gay folks and he's like the Bible says to love no matter what, you know, there are no conditions. So it's like to be a true Christian, there can't be conditions. Yeah. And this is a pretty heavy condition that Bethany Hamilton has placed upon people, which is, you know, not fantastic, especially given the fact that her husband's a pastor. Like it's, it's, it's a lot. And so trying to figure out where I stand with all of this, going back and rereading that book, it's like I found myself skimming past the stuff where she talks about her church and her youth groups and all that stuff. And granted, she was, you know, 14 when she wrote this book, but it's still just like... But knowing what those beliefs have turned into yeah, over time... She might not have believed that as a young teenager. She might have come to believe that after hearing the words of other people. And that's why it's important for people to check in on young people growing up in religion. Because it might not even be related to the trans community, the queer community. They might be learning things that are harming different people. It might even be harming themselves. No, I, and if the, if it goes too long, it becomes very difficult yeah. for them to realize just how fucked up their belief system has become. And I honestly, because of how I was raised, who I was raised with, um, you know that song, Spooky Scary Skeletons? Mm-hmm. Spooky Scary Skeletons. Yeah. So, um... I, I can sum up my, at least the maternal side of my family, uh, with three words. Mm-hmm. Racist redneck relatives. Oh my God, you've done that before. I remember <laughs> that. Oh my God. Um, so I was raised in a very conservative household. And honestly, my mom's gotten so much better since she's moved away from her family, since mm-hmm. she's gotten to know me and my friends who are in the queer community. Um talked about this before don't believe she knows that i am quite as queer as i am but it's like i i am trying 
to be better. Like I, and honestly, it started in high school, my senior year, you know, just kind of learning from my very liberal teachers, certain things, and then going to college only deepened that. Mm -hmm. And now I am on the complete opposite spectrum of like all of my family, except, you know, my dad's niece and nephew, my first cousins that were born well before I was that, you know, I really don't know what my male cousin's doing right now, but my girl cousin lives with her wife and they run this really cool tea shop and they're kind of awesome. So, you know, they're also from Ohio compared to being from the Kansas City area. Yeah, Ohio is so, a little bit. I mean, granted, my dad grew up in the little pocket of conservative in Ohio, but most of Ohio is pretty liberal. Yeah, it's so. kind of like the idea of Texas as a whole is super conservative. But if you go to Austin, if you go to any of the big cities. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's one of those things that it's it's controversial, but probably really shouldn't be. And it's, yeah. So that was my little foray into, you know, I really looked up to this person as a child and a young adult. And then now recently discovering all the stuff that she's been saying is just like, oh, kind of having the blinders ripped away. Yeah. So um, the whole ally thing I said earlier was but when we were talking about the shark was there was the TikToks going around of like, you know, people either screenshotting or stitching Bethany's video being transphobic. Um, and then, um, and then being like, I just want to say I'm part of the LGBTQ community. And this is my best friend, Valentina. She's an ally. Talk Valentina. And they show a picture of a shark and it says ally. Um, <laughs> which See, I'm not on his TikTok as much as Lindsay is. So I, I found this out by reading a Wikipedia page, but yeah. So, but not to like step on your segment a lot, but yes. I do want to close out um, because you did talk about it of people that are working through their Christian beliefs and still think or want or anything to come back and reconstruct and still have a faith. There are plenty of resources and people out there that know their stuff um, You can that you can start looking into. Um, if you look into... Uh, pastor from OK mm -hmm. um, is a really good one. Um, another one who um, she is not religious, but she grew up very evangelical and worship leader is Eve was framed. Mm -hmm. um, just just to get started, because if you're having any doubts about how people treat marginalized communities mm -hmm. within your religion, there are resources to help you yeah. to know that you're not the only one questioning those things and that there's a path out there to still yeah. and to kind of to kind of just give you guys a framework for exactly how much deconstructing I've already done uh, my parents were married by um, one of the prominent and oh my god now that I'm starting now that I'm talking about this I can't remember his <laughs> name um, but one of the very first pastors of what's called the Vineyard Church which is a non-denominational evangelical church mm -hmm. They believe in the prophetic word. They believe in speaking in tongues. And it's, you know, really heavily into the Kool-Aid. Um, but uh, so that that's how much deconstructing I've already done. And I'm still working on it. So 
To all of y'all out there fighting the same fight, I wish you luck. I am saluting with the incorrect hand, but it doesn't matter because you can't see me anyway. Good vibes, prayers, it gets better. And just to reiterate uh, the opposite of what Bethany Hamilton is saying. Yeah. Trans, trans women, women are, are women. women. Trans men are men. men. Trans lives matter. Queer lives matter. Queer phobia has no place. Anywhere. Anywhere. And especially in our place, if there's any hint of that going on, we will deal with it. Yeah. As, as stated previously, Mama Bear. Mama Bear. And I'm <laughs> constantly an angry teenager. Fight me. You're not going to hurt my friends mode. I wouldn't call that Mama Bear. I would. It really is um, angry teenager, I think. Um, <laughs> so. All right. And so with that, you know, Reminder. deep dive into my childhood. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, my, it's not really a deep dive because I'm still in that ongoing phase of my <laughs> life um, about feeling like a little woman still. Um, time for everyone's favorite segment. The Encyclopedia. <laughs> Let's see what we're doing next week. Well, next episode. Yeah. You know. Um, that means that the book kind of sucked and you really didn't like it, but then you went and saw the movie and you were like, yes. And here's the thing. It might not even be that the book sucked. It might be the book was okay. And then you see the movie and the movie was just fan fucking tastic. So <laughs> that'll be fun. That'll be fun doing I'm, a little bit of a deep dive for. Do you have any idea what you're going to do? Because I don't. I have some ideas. I, I watch more TV than I do shows. Or movies. I watch more TV shows than movies. It's been a day. It's, it's been a time. <laughs> we'll just count it up to you being delirious from the pain in your knee. Uh, oh, I think I know what I'm going to do. I think I have some options. So we'll we'll discuss and make sure we're not going to do the same option. Yeah. <laughs> us up on social media we have a facebook tiktok tumblr and instagram those are all at library fugitives we also have an email which is library fugitives podcast at gmail.com and that's just for listener requests questions you may have or just to talk to us yeah so remember y'all stay safe in the stacks out there bye, bye.